0: Are you ready to hear the word this morning? And so take your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, I'm excited to preach this morning. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 11. Dal- Pastor Dallas, it's good to see you and your wife back from Brazil. And so we celebrate you coming back and the ministry that's on your life. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 11. If you're there, say, I'm there. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of their own senses exercise to discern both good and evil. This morning for a few moments I want to preach on the thought Peter Pan Christianity. Would you say that with me again? Peter Pan Christianity. Say it again. Peter Pan Christianity. Father, open our hearts that we would hear understand that we would bear much fruit. And everyone said, Amen. As I preach this sermon this morning, I first of all want to explain my heart to you. When I preach messages on spiritual growth or discipline or perseverance or being faithful, I am by no means alluding that you're not faithful or that you're not growing. So first of all, I want you to know my heart. Some of you have been in church longer than I've been alive. Some of you are very faithful to every service, and you do have a prayer life, and you do constantly read the Word, and you're doing your very best to serve the Lord. And I want you to know that I sense that, and I do see that. So for a point of clarification, when I preach sermons about spiritual growth or maturity or progression in the faith, I'm not alluding that you're not, but I am challenging you to continue. And there's a big difference. And this, so this morning, I want to challenge and challenge you to continue to develop your faith. If you're already in the habit of developing your faith, amen. I'm here to cheer you on. If you're struggling in your faith, I'm also here to cheer you on. I'm glad you're here. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am lost. I don't even know where to begin. And I don't know what Bible to read. I don't even know what to do. I want you to know I'm glad you're here. So no matter what stage or level of spiritual growth you may find yourself in, I'm just glad that you are here. And I don't want you to be offended by what I have to say. I want you to be challenged to continue to grow and to continue to develop your faith. Because I'm a firm believer that as long as we're living, we should always be growing to become more like Jesus. Now, I get it. Some of you may be here this morning, you say, well, pastor, I'm struggling to pay my bills. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling even just to to make it. I get it. Life sometimes can be difficult. And life sometimes can be very challenging. Especially when you have all of that on your mind. And then you try to come to church. Have you ever went to church before? And you can't, really get focused because you're thinking about your family. You're thinking about how to pay your bills. You're thinking about how to make it. You know, maybe you had an argument with your spouse before church. You know, I don't know, but your mind is so cluttered with things you can get focused. And I want to let you know that what I have to tell you this morning is very, very important because I believe it can help you even in those struggles. It can help you in those struggles if you will open your heart and be very uh, intentional about listening, I believe that this sermon can help you in every aspect of your heart. But if you're sitting there thinking, man, I can't wait to get out of church because I got to, I I just, you know, my mind's distracted. I'm really not into it. Well, guess what? You probably won't get anything out of the church service. So I encourage you this morning, put your heart into it. Whatever you do, put your 100% into it. And I've used this analogy before, but it's an important analogy. And I think it's relevant to what I'm saying. If I hold up a bottle of water to you and, and, and I say to you that this bottle of water says that it's 99% pure water and 1% sewage, you probably wouldn't drink the bottle of water because it needs to be 100% pure water. You see, in essence, in whatever we do, you need to put your 100% into it, all right? If you're going to get a return out of it, let's put your 100% into it. You give me a bottle of water, brother? Amen. Thank you. So, I want to first start saying that, what does it mean to have a Peter Pan Christianity? Now, often in my sermons, I've used this title before, "Peter Pan Christianity." I've used it before, but as I have studied, especially in the book of Hebrews, there's a few things I want to point out. And so, concerning this Peter Pan Christianity, uh, years ago, years ago, there was a man by the name of J. M. Barry. He wrote a play, a fictional play called Peter Pan. Well, that play uh, eventually. Uh, Walt Disney got a hold of it, and they turned it into a popular series of a children's movie called, obviously, Peter Pan. And obviously, in the several years, several other movies have been made about Peter Pan, one of them called The Hook. Uh, and so I think all of us is familiar with this children's story called Peter Pan. And one of the famous lines in Peter Pan is uh, the, the little guy who stood up and said, I don't want to grow up. Peter Pan lived in a fantasy world, and he said he didn't want to grow up because he lived in a world filled with excitement and fantasy. And if you think about it, I think that sometimes if we're not careful, Christianity can become like Peter Pan. We don't want to grow up. We want to live in a fantasy world, and we want to deny reality. We don't want to face conflict. We don't want to face our issues. We want to kind of just avoid some things and live in a world where we try to avoid things and not really press through and challenge ourselves. And so this morning, I want to challenge, you your, challenge yourself to reject the idea of the Peter Pan theology and reject the idea of the Peter Pan Christianity and let us press on to spiritual development and maturity. I think that this is relevant, especially for today, because starting this Wednesday and next Sunday morning, we start our fall semester of growth point. You say, well, Pastor, what in the world is growth point? The point is growth, growth point. We want you to grow. And twice a year, we have semesters where we offer some classes for you to grow, and so you just watch that video and so as i preach this morning i want to challenge you to sign up to growth point this uh, semester this coming wednesday night at 6:30 and next sunday morning at 8:30 if you can't make it on wednesday night we want to challenge you challenge you to grow grow where in your head because our mission is to grow in our head our heart, our hands, and our feet. And one of the ways you can grow is by attending Growth Point so you can grow in your head and learn more about the faith. And I will talk about that later. So how can we reject this Peter Pan Christianity? Do you know there was a research done several years ago by George Barna that said this, that 92% of the American population owns a Bible. Now that's a high percentage. 92% of Americans own a Bible, which includes atheists, agnostic, people who are non-religious. People are usually familiar with the text called the Bible. And so 92% of people own the Bible, whether they read it or not, they own it. Whether it's laying on the coffee stand or the end table or laying on the kitchen table, they own a Bible or they can have access to the Bible. 92%. And so I thought about that. Why in the world is Christianity prevalent in the U.S.? And there's 92% of our population that owns the Bible, but yet America is one of the most illiterate, biblically illiterate countries in the world. Because of the Peter Pan theology. Listen, church attendance doesn't really develop you spiritually. And I think that's the fallacy. We think by attending church, I'm growing. Can I give you a proper perspective? The church attendance is not your, for your spiritual growth. Church attendance on Sunday morning is called the worship of God. God. That's what we do on Sunday morning. It's the worship of God. Now, is there an element of growth to it? There's an element of growth to it, obviously. There's edification to it. But that's not really where you are developed and formed and shaped. It's the worship of God. There's a spiritual element to it. There's growth to it. But that's not the essence of it. And so... I want, just for a few moments, to look at this. Now, I found something interesting in the book of Hebrews. You don't have to turn there. I quickly have it behind me on the screen. I want you to see the progression in the book of Hebrews, all right? I want you to see something. In Hebrews chapter number, I think, uh, chapter number two, it, it, it begins to tell us something that I think is interesting for us to pay attention to because I believe it could be life-changing in your life. Are you ready for it? So you find this Genesis excuse me, in Hebrews chapter number uh, two, ch- chapter number two, and in chapter number two, beginning with verse number one, I want you to listen to what the writer of Hebrews is actually saying. All right. Hebrews chapter number, Hebrews chapter number two, beginning with verse number one. Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. So in chapter number two, the writer of Hebrews is warning the Christian church that there is a possibility that you could drift away. Everybody say that with me. There's a possibility that I could drift away. I want you to understand that, that he is speaking to believers here. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He is speaking to believers and he's adamant that these believers could drift away. George Barna, several years ago, I think it was in the early 2000s, he did a survey in the American church and this is what he concluded. That most church-going adults believe this. Now get this. Most church-going people, this is their theology. I'm going to read it to you. Number one, they reject the accuracy of the Bible. Number two, they reject the uh, the existence of Satan. They claim that Jesus has sinned Number three, they see no need to evangelize the world. Number four, they believe that good works are one of the keys to pursuing God to forgive their sins. And number five, they describe their commitment to Christ as moderate or less than. Did you just see that? They reject the accuracy of the Bible they reject the existence of Satan. They claim that Jesus has sinned and they see no need to evangelize the world. This is the modern day church that you and I are living in. They reject the accuracy of the Bible. And listen to this. Another survey was done in around 2022 by uh, 2002 by George Barna years ago. He said this. Fewer than half of adults can only name the four gospels. Many professing Christians cannot identify more than two or three disciples. 60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. 82% of Americans believe, quote, God helps those who helps themselves is a Bible verse. 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. A survey, of I don't know if they have, a survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah was husband and wife. My friends, we are living in perilous times, but we're also living in exciting times. We have an opportunity before us to evangelize the world and disciple the world. So, number one, I want you to see here in, in chapter 2 of Hebrews, he says to the believers here, I want you to be careful that you don't drift away. Everybody say drift away. Everybody shout drift away. Drift away. There is a potential that if you don't, you could drift away. I like this. what this commentary said by D.A. Carson. Listen to the words by D.A. Carson in his New Testament theology systematic theology book, he said, and I quote, people do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace, they're driven by effort. People do not grad, do not drift towards godliness. They don't drift towards prayer. They don't drift towards obedience. They don't drift towards scripture, faith, or delight in the Lord. We tend to drift towards compromise and we call it tolerance We drift towards disobedience, and we call it freedom. We drift towards superstition, and we call it faith. We cherish the undisciplined life of Christianity, and we call it freedom. We don't drift towards prayer. Instead, we drift towards prayerlessness. My friends... We must give heed that we don't drift away. Craig Kershaw, which is one of the leading leadership experts in Christianity, said this, and I quote, Organizations don't, lead, don't drift towards growth. Churches don't drift towards growth. They automatically drift towards complacency and decline. If you're not intentionally preparing for growth, you're unintentionally preparing for decline. Pastor David Platt said this, and I quote, we are suddenly for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually abandoning ourself. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying to this, to you very clearly, that we must heed to the word and the warning of Hebrews chapter number two, that we don't drift away from godliness. Now listen, if you're working seven days a week and you can't go to church, you are doing it wrong, My friends. You are equating your work as God. You know what you're, es- you know what you're doing es- in essence? You're saying that your job is your source, is your God. That is why you've got to keep yourself in check. It's good to work. You need to provide for your family. But you don't need to work every day for 24 hours. There needs to be a time of relaxation. There needs to be a time with family. And there needs to be a time of worship with God. And there needs to be public worship not only private worship. I know you. I'm not getting too many amens in this postmodern society, but ladies and gentlemen, it is the truth. It's the truth. Number two, I want you to see in chapter number three what he says. Now this is the writer of Hebrews. He He warns us. Warning number one. Everybody say warning number one. Warning number one. He says there is a danger in drifting away. Number two, there is a danger of having a hard heart. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7. Today, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear His voice. Can we go to verse number 8 there if we can? Verse number 8. Hebrews 3, verse number 8. Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. The writer of Hebrews is likening the church to those who wandered in the wilderness. So number one, he is saying, be careful of the danger of drifting away. That's chapter 2. Chapter number th- 3, he says there's a danger of having a hard heart. My friends, listen to me. You don't have a problem in your marriage. There's not a problem. You don't have a problem with pornography. You don't have a problem with tithing. You don't have a problem with giving. You, don't, you know what you have a problem with? You have a problem with your heart. And if the heart is not changed, you will not have lasting transformation. What you will have is behavior modification. You will try to modify your behavior. And I've listen, I was raised in this thing all my life by my grandparents, and I know how to do it. I know how to shout. I know how to live the life. And I don't want to ever get to a point in my life where I'm just preaching just to preach and raising my hands just to raise my hand. And inside my heart is growing cold. And inside my heart is growing hard. And inside I'm growing faithless. I don't want to do that. I want to have a living faith that lives on the inside of me that's producing change to the world. And I want to say this and I want to say it loud and clear that you are not a Christian for yourself. Christianity is not for you. Christianity is for the world. You're not a Christian just to be a Christian, and some of us have the mindset, boy, I just need to make it through the day, and boy, I just, boy, I just, boy, if I could just get the victory, it's good, you need that, but you have to understand you already have the victory, and the reason that you are saved is so that you can bring other people into the kingdom. Do you know what happens? Do you know the greatest feeling in the world is when you invite somebody to church, and they come to Jesus, and they get saved, and you walk with them, and you invest into their life, and you sow into their life, that is one of the greatest feelings you could ever have, is leading somebody to Jesus. That's the greatest feeling, and I wanted you to hear my heart this morning. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem, folks. I don't want to live that way. And the book of Hebrews says you've got to be careful that you don't drift away, and you've got to be careful you don't have a hard heart. That we can come to church and raise our hands and sing our songs, and we can serve, and yet our heart is hard towards God and people. You've got to be careful. He says, beware that your heart don't get hard. Danger number three in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Chapter 4 Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, he says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard, it didn't profit them. Not mixing with faith in those who heard it. Did you hear what the writer said? The writer said in, in chapter 3, he says, The people in, in the wilderness, they heard the word, but they didn't mix it with Faith. And so therefore it didn't profit them. And that's what's happening in our churches. We're coming to church and you're hearing a good word. We got good preachers. But it's not changing anybody in the church seats because we're not mixing it with faith. We are hearing a dead word. We're living out a dead word. And we're living a dead life because you don't just got to hear the word. You got to mix it with faith. You got to believe the word. This is not something that we just preach. It's something that we actually live. And so that's the danger of a faithless heart. So number one, you have the danger of drifting away. Number two, you have the danger of a hard heart. And number three, you have the danger of a faithless heart, a faith that is not mixing the word of God with faith. Pastor, I don't have the money to give. You do it by faith. I don't want to serve. You do it by faith. I don't want to worship. You do it by faith. I can't see God. You do it by faith. I don't feel God. You do it by faith. This is a faith walk. It's not about how you feel. It's faith. Number four. The danger of spiritual dwarfism. Lastly. He's almost when he goes through these, and there's so much more I could deal with, but chapter number five, he makes a statement that I find interesting. He says, because these people have drifted away, because these people have hard hearts and no faith, they're spiritually stunted in their growth. Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about spiritual growth. Because I believe you can, Can be saved and love Jesus and yet be stunted in your growth. And here, the writer of Hebrews says, there's a problem now. Your heart's drifting away. Your faith is drifting away. You're faithless. He says now, he comes to chapter number 5 and I want you to see what he says in chapter number 5 and verse number 12. Chapter number 5, verse number 12. For though by this time, now you've got to understand the context and the narrative of this. He's speaking to the same people here. He says, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God that you come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason to have their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Danger number four is the danger of spiritual dwarfism. In other words, they're not progressing in their growth. He says that's a danger. It's a danger. How is it that church has become a mindless ritual? We've become passionless, powerless, and prayerless. Is because... It has to be cultivated on Monday morning. There has to be an intentional time where you meet with God. There has to be an intentional time where you make effort to read the Bible. There has to be an intentional time where you put God at the center of your life. The question we got to ask ourselves, are we centered? Are are, are we centered? Because I know we want to be so religious and say, God first, spouse second, church third. Throw that away. It's, are you centered Is your life centered? Is there a a focus, a a, a centeredness in your life that whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, it don't matter, I'm centered. Whether I get the promotion or I don't get the promotion, I'm centered because when you are centered in Christ, it produces a security. It's kind of like this. Jesus is the airplane and Jesus is hovering over your heart but Jesus can't land on the soil of your heart because you got too much clutter you got too much clutter there you continue to make excuses of why you can't be who God said you could be you got clutter you you're running after greed and lust and perversion clutter And you wonder what's wrong. Jesus is saying, listen, I've chosen you. You didn't didn't choose me. I chose you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of your everyday life. I want to come in and sup with you. I want to come in and talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. But if you don't allow me to land on your heart, I can't do anything. Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart, but we can't open the door. You know why we can't open the door? Because there's too much clutter by the door and the door won't open. But I know there's some people in the building this morning that you're going to clear off the runway so he can land on your heart. Get the clutter out of the door so you can open the door so he can come in and sup with you. My point is this, church. You have to be intentional about it. I'm challenging you as a pastor. I would be a horrible pastor if I got up here every Sunday and shouted blessings to you. I wouldn't be the man of God that God wanted me to be if I got up here and told you that you're going to get houses and cars and all your debt's going to be paid and everybody in your family is going to be healed and blessed. I wish and pray that that happens. I wish and pray that that happens. And I have seen some of that stuff happen. But sometimes it don't happen. And you've got to center your faith in Christ. And you've got to be secure that no matter if the blessing comes or the blessing goes or whether they come in your life or whether they leave your life, I am centered in Christ. I'm centered. I'm centered. So, I want you to see here That he says you gotta lay aside a few things. If you're gonna progress in God, you gotta lay aside a few things. And number one, he says you gotta lay aside the unresponsiveness in hearing. Verse number eleven, verse number Hebrews five, verse eleven. For whom we have much to say, it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. So if you're gonna progress in God, if you're gonna make progress in God, the very first thing that you gotta do. Do is you got to lay aside the unresponsiveness in hearing did you see what he said in verse number 11 he says dull you have become dull of hearing now he's speaking to believers here he's speaking of christians and he says you all have become dull of hearing now in the greek the word dull means three a couple things it means sluggish or slug it means numb, and it also means stubborn. So I want you to kind of insert that meaning in the text there. He says, you have become sluggish in your hearing. You've become numb in your hearing, and you have become stubborn in your hearing. In other words, this is what he's saying. What does, what does does What's sluggish? Sluggish is, it doesn't mean non-activity. It means slow activity. In other words, you're slow with hearing. You're not intentional. You're not, you're not proactive about it. You're very slow about it. He says, number two, he says you're numb. Now, you know, you ever sit in a seat somewhere or had your feet propped up, and all of a sudden your, your foot becomes numb? It's sleeping, you know, is what we call it. It's there. Your foot's there. But it's numb. And there's lots of people who come to church and, They're here, but they're numb. They're numb. Oh, they love God, but they're numb. They're here, oh, they feel it once in a while, but they're numb. In other words, they're not doing anything about it. They're not setting a different way. They're still doing the same thing over and over, which is call, calling—it's it's causing the numbness in their life. They're not changing the way they sit. They're not changing the way they walk. They're not changing any exercises. Everything else is still producing numbness in their life, and they just sit there, and they live with it. You have to be proactive about your faith. Number three, it also means they're stubborn. In other words, they refuse to change. You hear it but you've refused to change. You know it's true, but you refuse to change. It's really interesting to me. It's really interesting to me. I mean, I've pastored for 20 years and this is, blows my mind. And I will preach until veins pop out of my side of my neck. People sit there. And walk out that building, walk out that building, and participate in things they know they shouldn't do, and then run to me and say, I want to say, did you listen to anything that was said this past Sunday? No, because we can't even listen to the announcements. Our minds are so distracted. We have become numb with the word of God. And he says, there is a danger in that. He says, get a hold of your mind because there's a danger in becoming numb to it. We become stubborn to it. Our minds are distracted. Number one, he says, if you want to progress with God, you've got to get rid of the unresponsiveness in hearing. Number two, you've got to get rid of the unwillingness in speaking. So he says this in verse number 12. He says, for by now, you ought to be teachers. For you need someone to teach you again the first principles or oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He says you have to come to a place in your life that you got to get rid of the unwillingness to speak. Now, he's not advocating here that you should be a missionary or an evangelist. But he is advocating here that if you are progressing in God, you should be an effective witness for God. You should be witnessing. Your faith should be proactive. You should be opening your mouth and sharing your faith. And let me ask you, when was the last time that you really shared your faith with someone? Are we using excuses like, well, I, I'm not skilled. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't know what to say. You have a story to tell, and it's called your testimony. And all God is looking for is you to open your mouth and share it with somebody. Do not let the devil try to tell you that you're not called to do this. Now, not everybody's called to be a missionary and not everybody's called to pulpit ministry and not everybody's called to be an evangelist. I understand that. But every one of you is called to be a witness of the faith, especially as Pentecostals. So a part of growing up, listen to listen to Pastor Josh, a part of growing in God is sharing your faith. So if you're not sharing your faith, you've got to ask yourself the question, is my faith really growing? And the greatest tragedy in the church is this. Is that we think we're really growing when we're really not. How do I know I'm growing? You you know you're growing when you look at the word. And the same word, listen to pastor, the same word that makes you shout is also the same word that corrects you. The same word that we say amen to is the same word that transforms us. He says, you've got to be careful that you don't fall away. You've got to be careful you don't have a hard heart. You've got to be careful you don't have a faithless heart. You've got to be careful of spiritual dwarfism. And how are you supposed to progress in God, number one? You're supposed to lay aside the unresponsiveness in hearing, and number two, the unwillingness to speak. In other words, a part of growing in faith is your ability to open your mouth and share the living faith with someone. Number three, the unskillfulness in eating. He says, you got to be careful. If you want to progress in God, you got to understand there's a There's an unskillfulness in eating. He says this, look at this, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is those who by reason use their senses to exercise to discern both good and evil. In other words, he's saying this. There are some Christians that's eating, but their food is really milk. And yet, there are some people eating meat. Now I know, you know, most of us like some form of meat, and I just was informed at man camp that if you're called to be a preacher, then you should love chicken, and I said amen to that. Now I want to take a testimony up in this church. Is there anybody in this church that loves chicken? Is there anybody that likes beef better than chicken? Well, I guess I'll let you stay, but... I like meat. You know, I could eat chicken every day, right, Tiffany? Tiffany? I could eat it for lunch, dinner, lunch, and dinner and breakfast. I can just eat it every day. Fried chicken, grilled chicken, Popeyes, Chick-fil-A, canes. Come on, Jesus. You know, I can eat it all. I love chicken. But but can I tell you something? Can I tell you something about milk versus chicken? Can I tell you something? He's using the analogy here that milk somebody has to feed you possibly. And meat, you got to work at it. If you're going to grow spiritually, you got to work at this thing. If you're going to grow spiritually, you got to work at it. You can't be lackadaisical. I guess it's Sunday and I'll go to church and listen to the same thing I've listened to all my life. That's why you're in the condition that you're in. Because of the danger of the drifting, the danger of the faithless heart, the danger of the hard heart. He says, are you going to eat milk or drink milk or are you going to eat meat? Meat, you have to work at it. You got to work at it. And there's people that's drinking milk or they need to be spoon fed or they need to have the bottle. You know, and I will say this and I am really not tooting my horn. Please forgive me. I'm really not tooting my heart. My heart is pure when I say this. I've preached in a lot of places and dealt with a lot of people. And I can honestly say that we have a church here that is pretty mature. And we have a lot of people who are very mature. And we have a lot of people who love Jesus and hungry to grow and learn. We had 80 people go through growth Point, And all it was it was a class to learn. That shows that this church is progressing and I'm very proud of you. I really am. I stand before you with a humble heart and say this. I don't know how I got blessed to pastor such a church like this. You guys love Jesus, but this, there's a dimension to this church. There's a depth to this church and there's a growth to this church that I haven't seen in a lot of churches because I can sit there and somebody, we can have a guest speaker that possibly, you know, it hasn't happened a long time, but years ago, I I had a guest speaker, this was probably 10 years ago, that said, three or five years ago, that said something that's probably not biblically. I had 10 people after church come to me with it. And I thought, that's good. Because it shows that people are listening. They're engaging the scriptures. They understand. And I want to let you know that I'm proud of you. And I'm up here preaching this message because I want to challenge you that we're not stopped growing. We're going to continue to grow. And you think people have heard about us now. Wait till we keep continuing to grow because we're going to produce believers. It's just not about learning in a class, folks. Listen, it's not about taking growth point. It's about developing Jesus inside of you where you look like Jesus, where you get excited and you leave and you go tell somebody else about Jesus. It's not about just learning knowledge. Dr. C.L. Curry, which is a, a, a professor at a university, said this, I quote, I don't care how high your religion makes you jump. Just make sure you learn how to walk straight when you come down. Dr. A.W. Dr. Tozer, in his book, gives characteristics of what it means if you're progressing in god how do i know i'm progressing in god how do i know i'm growing number 1 you are more interested in holiness than you are happiness because you know what children will do children are more prone to have a good time than they are about living right they want to play with their toys they don't want to share with their sibling Holiness. You see, how do I know I'm progressing with God? There's a deep-seatedness. There's a a conviction on the inside of me that I want to live right for God. Number two, A.W. Tozer said in his book, The Second Characteristics, you're more interested about giving than you are getting Number three, you care more about serving than being served. Number four, you care more about acceptance than the avoidance of discipline. See, I want you to ask yourself those questions. Let me review those questions in closing. Number one, are you interested more in holiness than happiness? Do you care more about giving than getting? Number two, are you more interested about being served than serving? you care more about being accepted than the avoidance of discipline? Those, those are challenging questions to help us keep pushing towards Jesus. Keep pushing for Jesus. You say, listen, this is the hallmark of my ministry is discipleship and growth. Why? Because folks, as a pastor my heart grieves all the time. It grieves more than you could ever imagine. People shout, fall on the floor and I I can do it. I love it. But they won't be faithful. They won't read the Bible. They still act the same way on their jobs. They still have the same attitude. And I I give people grace because when you get saved, you need a lot of grace. But after you've been in the church for 30 years and you can't be faithful and you can't serve and you can't tithe and you can't give and, and you're always, you have so much clutter that the, that, that the plane can never land on your heart. Something's wrong somewhere. Something's wrong somewhere. Well, I'm preaching real good after coming back. I'm just throwing that out there. Do you all still love me? Do you all see my heart? I want you to grow. I remember before I was married, I was on range line. And guess where I was going? No, Canes wasn't there, folks. Canes is a recent development, thank God. I prayed it here. And I'm also playing. There's another chicken place I'm praying. Slim's Chicken is that a place? Yes, I, Slim Chickens. I'm praying that it comes to Joplin in Jesus' name. But the Lord answered, and He's sending Crumble Cookie. Yes, Lord. Somebody shout, Amen. So I was on Range Line, and I was going down. This is years ago. This guy ahead of me, and I was getting impatient, you know. I was probably wasn't driving correctly, but you know. But the guy in front of me had a huge bumper sticker that said "I'm clergy," and then on the bumper sticker had a, a, a like a chain. It was it, the bumper sticker was like a, a chain that had a cross and says "I'm clergy." And as I was as I got up to him. I pulled around and the guy flipped me off. Now, maybe I was on his bumper, but it proves the point. If you want to flip somebody off, take off the bumper sticker. Now, this is the world, this is the Christianity that the world is seeing. And thank God, I was more, I was mature and sanctif- saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. That all I did was just wave as I went by. Am I, is this all right? Can somebody say Amen? So you say, well, Pastor, it was probably his son. Well, you've got to be careful because whoever you let. Whoever you let drive. So, in closing, I want you to see Hebrews chapter number... I want you to see this scripture very quickly. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. In the next chapter, and I'm going to close with this thought, in the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 6 verse number 12, I want you to see what he begins to say here. He reiterates this to the church, even in the next chapter, that you don't become what? What? You don't become what? You don't come become what? But you imitate those through faith and patience inherit the promise. Again, in the next chapter, he's reiterating this thought. Don't become sluggish. Don't become superficial. Let your faith have a voice in your life. Let your faith penetrate your heart. Don't have Have a hard heart. Don't drift away. Let your faith change you. Don't become dull of hearing. Open your mouth. Begin to eat the meat of the Word of God. Put work into your relationship. He says, don't become sluggish. And in closing, i got to ask this question. What is the mark of somebody who is growing in the Lord? What is the true mark? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews The scripture that we just was focusing on this morning, Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse number 14, this is the mark of somebody who is a spiritual person in the faith. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is those who by reason use their senses, exercise to discern good and evil. What is the mark of a Christian who is growing? Discernment. Because little children don't know how to discern. You tell a child, don't touch the stove, don't put your finger in the fan, don't do that, it's going to hurt you. Do you know why? Because a child doesn't have the ability to discern what they need to do. And as you grow in your faith, you should be able to discern, I probably shouldn't live that way. I probably shouldn't say that. Now listen. When you're a child in the faith, you're going to mess up. If you just got saved, we give you grace. You're going to mess up. You're going to do things. You're going to say things. You're going to act in ways that's childish. We understand that. But if you've been in this thing for years and years and years, and you still got a spiritual diaper on, and somebody still has to feed you, and somebody still has to pamper you, then something's wrong with the picture. Something's wrong with the picture. Discernment is the mark of somebody who is growing in the Lord. Discernment. Why are people, listen, why are people falling for false religions and cults? I'm going to give you the number one reason why they're falling for it because most of those people are not spiritually mature. They don't know how to discern between orthodox teaching and false heresy. They're still children in the faith. Because when you begin to walk your faith out, you begin to live a life of discernment. And when you try to tell a child, don't do that, Johnny. That child cries. And I've told people in church, listen, you probably shouldn't put that on Facebook. You know what they do? They get mad, slam the door, put on Facebook, that pastor's trying to tell me what to do. He's trying to control my life. No, what I'm trying to do is to grow you up in the faith so you don't look like the world. We don't do it disrespectfully. We do it with honor, love, and respect to push people and challenge people to be better. You see, I want this church to be a modeled church of growth. I want other churches to look at us and say, what are you doing differently? Why is there such maturity about your church? There's such giants in your church, giants of faith. I want this church to be a model of that. I want this church to be a model for the unsaved that when they come to church and they're wearing things they shouldn't wear and living in lifestyles they shouldn't live in. We may not agree with it. They may not even know they're living in that lifestyle, but we're going to be that type of church to walk with people and challenge people to grow and push people to be more like Jesus. Not condemn people, not to talk down to them, not to disrespect people, but to be a big brother and a big sister and to be a mother and a father in the faith to put their arms around people and say, I don't care what you did or how many times you did it. This is where you need to be. We want to be your family. We want you to grow. We want you to be everything Jesus wants you to be. And even if you do mess up, 5,000 times. We're going to be here every time to put our arms around you and say it's worth the journey. It's worth the journey. It's worth the journey. Because isn't that what children do? Children take toys from children. They hit children. Children hit each other. And when we're walking with immaturity we don't know how to handle the unsaved when they come to church. That is why I'm pushing you to grow in your faith because there's going to be an influx of unsaved people who come to this church and we're going to have to have discernment in knowing how to walk with them in the journey without criticizing them. Man, that was good. We're going to have to know how to deal with these people. We have to come to a place where church is not about us. It's not about the songs we sing. It's not about, church is not about a shopping cart where I come to get what I need. But church is about a shovel. I've come to work. I've come to build the kingdom of God. I've come to, church is more. You You see my heart this morning, church? You see, as we grow in the Lord, as we grow, we need to learn how to know how to deal with the unsaved. Because if not, we could hinder. We could hinder it. And we don't want to hinder it. We want every unsaved person in Galena and Joplin to pack this building out. And I want the rest of you who have been in this church a long time to step up and start mentoring people and start putting your arms around people. Start speaking life into people. Say, I believe you. It's okay if you struggle. I'm going to be with you on this journey. I'm going to be with you on this journey. I don't want Peter Pan Christianity. I don't want a Walt Disney version of Christianity. I want a faith. If Jesus is the Jesus that I read of in the Bible, if it is true, if it's really true, if Jesus is is the person that he claims to be, if Jesus is the man that he claims, if he's not. He's He's a liar or a lunatic. But if Jesus is the man he claims to be, then Jesus is a living Jesus. He's not a dead Jesus. He's a transformative Jesus. He does something in your heart and it changes you. It's more than just sitting in church pews and looking at the ceiling and as the time passes by, it changes your life you want to leave this building, you want to go tell somebody about Jesus. Y'all see what I'm saying? There's more to this than just coming to church. But some of us are so focused on our problems, you'll you'll, you'll get out and get in your car, and your life will never be any different than what it was when you come in here. Because, he said, we're dull of hearing. You've got to let it transform you. You've got to come to a place in your life that it's not about me anymore. I can't change my spouse, can't change my kids, can't change my job. The only person I'm responsible for is myself. I'm only responsible for myself. Not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to like you. Your kids may not even like you. You've got to come to a place in your life that that's all right. I'm only responsible for myself. I'm only responsible for myself. Listen, I preached everything in love today. You're the best church ever. I love you and I'm proud of you. But there's a stirring in my heart because there's going to be some unsafe folks come in here and we're going to disciple them to be more like Jesus and we're going to be patient with them. Y'all hear me? We're going to be patient with them. We're not going to condemn them. We're going to love them. We're going to take them to the place where they need to be. Amen.